where they are and how they got there. I am Matthew Barker. Today on this episode, we've got Coach Zachary Fierce. He is the Director of Sports Performance out at Southeast Oklahoma State University. Zach, how are we doing today? Doing well, doing well. Uh, how's the weather down there right now? Are you starting oh, to get like fall changes or anything like that? Yeah, it dropped. So about three weeks ago, we were in the hundreds still. Uh, and it dropped. I mean, it's been 70s, 80s, a lot a lot more rain, which we don't get too much rain. Um, so the weather is actually pretty decent. I've been working out in the shop the last few days, just staying cool, barely even sweating, doing stuff out there. So it's, it, isn't, it hasn't been bad at all. Yeah, that we're starting to get the nice change into fall weather here in Iowa. So it went from being like about 90 95 yesterday to being 58 today and just raining like crazy so um that's good to hear um so we're going to start on into this mr fears where did you go to high school i went to high school a little tiny high school in iowa southeast warren southeast warren that liberty is center. tiny liberty center iowa population last time i knew was 74 people in liberty center so <laughs> It's made up of uh, three little towns, uh, Lacona, Milo, and Liberty Center. And Liberty Center is so small, it's not even considered a town legally. Mm-hmm. But uh, last time I knew Lacona had like 300 people left in it. It was like 500, 600 when I went to school. And Milo, I think, is around 1,500. I don't know if it's dropped or gone down or gone up or anything. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those where probably – 30 40 50 years ago the towns were so small that they kind of joined up together to create a school district which yep. i understand that i'm from dallas center grimes so dallas center was tiny so they combined with grimes and dallas center still tiny and grimes is like five times the size of it was so that's always exciting but especially those because that would be how much how far away from des moines would that be Really about city. not that okay. Not horrible, but no far far enough away where you're starting to get a little bit out there. Um, what'd you do when you were in high school? Were you involved in athletics? I'm I'm assuming because again, director of sports performance. Usually that's I think of most of the strength and conditioning people I know. I'm probably one of the few who in high school didn't play a single sport. So. Um, what was that kind of kind of like for you down there? Yeah, so we did uh, most of high school. I did three sports and ended up dropping a two my last two years just to kind of get through it. But uh, I ran track, played football were my two better sports. And then I wrestled for a few years and I got out of it just because of the injuries, trying to cut weight, cutting weight and then trying to play football at a higher weight just didn't go well and trying to get strong and it just didn't pan out well with the weight cuts we were doing and stuff like that. And of course we didn't know how to do it. You know, we're out there not eating and on, you know, you have your 500 calorie days for three, four days on a time. And then two and a half hour practices that, you know, practices that can't legally be done the NCA lengthwise. And, you know, we, we just didn't know what we were doing. You know, I mm-hmm. still in wrestling, still one of my favorite sports. I love the sport. I just didn't, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have the guidance that we needed. So I did end up giving that up after my sophomore year, and it was the most tempting thing to try to get back into it because mm-hmm. uh, I loved the sport. But I, I was just I was better at football and better at track, and I just couldn't 
I couldn't stay healthy during wrestling just due to the yeah. weight cuts. We, well, you, were, you know, you were sick 24-7 with something, you know, and if you weren't sick, you, you know, I had a, you know, hyperextended elbow a couple times, you know, dislocated ribs, tore the intercostals of my rib. It was just one thing after another. When you dehydrated down 20 pounds mm-hmm. on a consistent basis, your body's not going to work well. We didn't know that. Yeah. It's, it's always fun to... Um, well, especially because I knew a lot of my guys in high school who same thing, three sport, four sport athletes who, you know, they go from football and there were some guys who it wasn't that big of a deal because, you know, if they were a lineman and they were going to wrestling. They didn't have to really worry about anything because they didn't have to cut weight or some of those higher weight classes. But then you had the guys who played football and, you know, they would be 160, 170. But then when they get into wrestling season, uh, they drop. 20 plus pounds to get into their weight class and then pretty very similar they'd get get done with wrestling and then they just start eating and get ready for track and field and but they definitely did not enjoy that first few weeks of you know we're done with football and they get because they'd get thrown head first into wrestling at that point because especially if football season went long enough they were kind of right at that cusp of when wrestling season started so some guys were a little bit further ahead than that they were who just wrestled um but especially you know in high school it's a lot different now we both know you know if we knew what we knew now when we were younger what changes could we have done what could we have been capable of i think everyone who um everyone probably looks back at their youth and thinks those type of things but uh in the sports performance world like that's some stuff where I never would have ran cross country. I'll tell you that much, but, uh, uh, I, I definitely understand that. So you did, you pretty much did football and track and field for four years, did wrestling for two. Um, uh, what was it like academically down there? Were you doing all right or? Yeah, I, I think I, I'm trying to remember what I graduated high school with. It, it was mid threes. I had mm-hmm. no, uh, pressure from anyone in my family to get good grades. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do anything with academics, it was just kind of get by. No one cared. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I, especially now knowing how, you know, I ended up graduating with 4.0 in my master's and I should have graduated with honors at Central. But my final semester, I kind of uh, just decided to, to coast hard. Yeah, <laughs> so. it, it was one of those fun semesters where uh, you get you just went through the motions and got that diploma at the end of it. Well, I got offered the Sterling job in January. Yep. So, oh. yeah. So my motivation was to get a degree and get my certification. So yep. when I got through with everything, I uh, there there was a there was a class that I only went to like four times, and you know that doesn't do well. And I got yeah. an overloaded in exercise science, unbeknownst to me that. Uh, so my final semester, I couldn't take a single exercise science class, which had been my obviously bread and butter for the last two years. Mm-hmm. But we ended up getting me in too many, so I actually had to do a full 15 credit load of gen eds because some things got jacked up. Yeah. And it wasn't that I actually needed them. Like, I had basically all my gen eds taken care of. I just couldn't get any more of my credits through exercise science. Yeah, you get that, that cap. So, um, yeah. Uh, back before that, before we get too deep into college, what yeah. made you choose Central College in the first place? Because, I mean, you said, I mean – while you're in high school, wasn't any huge uh, push for good grades. 
grades or anything like that. Was there a push for you to continue on and go to college or um, what was that like? So this this is kind of a touchy subject in my life that I, actually, I, I like to talk about because I think there are people in this situation. But I was actually told by some people in my family that going to college was the worst decision I could make. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because I had a I had a pretty good offer. Um, I had two really good offers right out of high school, actually. Um, cabinetry was one and being a mechanic was the other. And I, I'd done both of them before and I had experience with it. And uh, I got offered two more jobs because I worked as a mechanic a little bit throughout college. And I got after my bachelor's degree, I got offered another job with it with my dad, actually. And then I got offered another one with uh, after my master's with my dad. And you know, obviously that's not my passion. So I stayed away mm-hmm. from it. I turned down a much better paycheck than I'm still getting right now. Mm-hmm. But So I, I was told that, you know, going to college, it would cost a lot and that I would, uh, it would take me a long time to recoup those costs. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, being fair, my dad was right when he said that, you know, a few other people that talked to me about it, they were right. I'm still, mm-hmm. I still have loans that I'm working on and I'm knocking those out pretty quick now, but at the same time, so how did I actually end up at Central? That, that's probably mm, yeah. part of your transition. So I started dating a girl junior year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Her name is Julie. And she is still with me. So we are she's married. She's a nice lady. I've met her. <laughs> she's a hell of a nice lady. She's far better than I deserve. And she's far better looking than me. So needless to say, she actually said she was going to go to Central. And at this point, I think we were we, we were pretty serious. We've been together for two years. And I think we were kind of locked in, you know, that we wanted to be together. There wasn't any like marriage talk or anything like that yet. But uh, so she says she's going to Central and I start I just kind of casually decide to look at it. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, they had exercise science, which was something I was interested in. If I went to college, I knew I was going to do exercise science. And so I just kind of look into it a little bit more and I decided you know what? I can always put off being a mechanic. I can always, I'd I'd rather do what I want to do. And so that's how I ended up at central. I know it seems like I ended up at one of the best strength conditioning programs in the nation by fluke, but I didn't go there for strength conditioning. I went there because I knew I had a good exercise science program. You know, obviously Dave Pavlet and his staff Mm -hmm. uh, and all that. And so I ended up there more so for the personal training Mm -hmm. route of what I was really thinking of doing. And I remember, my freshman year, uh, Pam Richards, Dr. Richards, she goes, so what do you want to do with your life? And I said, oh, I'm just, I want to be a personal trainer. And she, she told me, she's like, you will never be happy doing that. And I was just like, man, who do you think you are, lady? You can't judge yeah. me. Hey. And, uh, <laughs> can't, stop right. Pam. <laughs> can't stop Pam. Nope. Um, she's right too, though. So. Yeah. Well, it's, I think that is, uh, one of the reasons I kind of wanted you on here was you did go that private sector route for a little bit before you got back into the collegiate setting, um, which is, you know, you hear about it all the time about guys who they're they're worried about going private because they don't think they're going to be able to get back into collegiate. Um, So I think that's going to be a a nice thing to talk about with you um, because you started private technically pretty much. So, um, so you get to central freshman year, uh, how did you get, you know, you talked about Pam telling you personal training is probably not going to be for you. Um, how did you get hooked up into the strength and conditioning program? Because that would have been what you started at Central in 2006. Yep. Because you, you had already graduated when I 
came in as a freshman. That would have been your first year out of college. So um, kind of talk me through kind of how you got involved with the strength and conditioning program. So as funny as it was, I went to, I, I just, uh, I talked to Dr. Pavlat and we got, you know, we got everything class line wised up and I wanted to start doing a lot more internships because obviously that those are the fun part. Let's be real, you know? And so I went through and I did a semester of personal training and I was like, wow, this sucks. Like this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is rough. I was like, well, I've kind of already locked into it. And my very first two clients were these 60 year old ladies. Now they were great ladies, but I realized real quick, that was not the population I wanted to work with. And all of a sudden you find out that, uh, man, I might be stuck with this population for a good you know? Oh, yeah. So anyways, so I go down and I, I talk to, I, I'm, I'm trying to think this is my sophomore year. So at this point, I'm a lot more into bodybuilding. And uh, mm-hmm. I now I, I will tell you, we talk about Olympic lifting, and I'm going to go off on a tangent on that before. But when I started at Central, Okay. I was 135 pounds. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing Matt Page doing power cleans. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that lift looks fun. Now I'd done power cleans before, but I was like, I just hadn't done them in a long time. And so as funny as it is, I saw Matt doing power cleans and I was like, man, I, I can do those. And so I actually did freshman year. I, I actually did my first uh, double body weight clean just casually now i think i did hang clean actually but i uh, full squatted it and everything and i just remember that uh like oh man that's not tough that's you know seeing all that stuff but anyways um i really forget why i got on a tangent on that but i anyways the whole thing was i i was tiny and how i was moving forward with everything mm-hmm. uh, but so i i kind of got into the bodybuilding route and i was much more concerned about how i looked and which is ironic because I'm 205 pounds now and look better than I did when I was 170 pounds, but that's another story. Anyway, so I, I go in and I realize, you know what, I want to be able to be a better personal trainer. So I want to actually be able to work with athletes as well. I want some experience working with athletes. And at this point, which is really kind of comical because Jake Anderson, who turned out to be the biggest mentor in my life, mm-hmm. I still quote him nonstop all the time. And I think he's probably impacted as many strength coaches as anyone else has in the nation. Mm -hmm. You know, Central College used to be what kind of Springfield College is now, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I go up to him and we had actually had some we butted heads pretty good a few times, you know, just me being stubborn and he being stubborn. And uh, I go, coach, I want to try an internship. And he just looks at me. He's like, as Jake Anderson, oh, you sure about that, son? Mm hmm. You know, and I think, yeah, I think I want to try it. He goes, well, do you want to do the personal training side where you're just, you know, I'm going to pair you up with some people that want some, or do you want to do the actual strength conditioning? I said, I want to try the strength conditioning. And uh, so lo and behold, I'm over here like, man, this is going to be rough, but, but I, I didn't want this experience. Well, anyways, flash forward to the next semester, and I actually start doing it. And you know, I, I get in there and I start doing it. And the first couple of weeks were rough. Like I was so close to leaving mm-hmm. and it, it had nothing to do with Jake. It had nothing to do with Kyle. Um, the coaches that were there or have been there. Uh, it was just me trying to fit in with people that didn't like me very much. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I was that douchebag bodybuilder that all the strength coaches and interns hated. 
and then I, I, I did, I dove straight in though, um, after about four weeks. And I actually remember having a talk, um, with, with Ricky Ramirez about eight or 12 weeks. He's a good guy. Phenomenal guy, you know, and Ricky was one of the few guys that I think we clicked really quick with. Um, cause he actually, because I was considered basically the lowest of low intern cause I'm over here on this douchebag bodybuilder. Uh, instead of being paired up with Jake or Kyle, I got paired up with Ricky, you know, like, oh, this guy's not going to be good. Well, lo and behold, I, I feel like I ended up doing pretty well with everything. And, and Ricky took me under his wing pretty well and helped me through some stuff. Um, but I remember having a talk with Ricky. This wasn't even with Jake. This wasn't with Kyle. Um, two of the guys that influenced me a lot. And I remember being like, Ricky, I, I think I might want to do this for a career. And here it is. This is probably like April. Okay. Of my junior year when I finally like, decided, like, man, I think I want to actually do this. And he goes, well, you better stay over the summer then. Like, you got to stay over the summer. You need every every experience you can get. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I have the money. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I remember I walk in and I'm like, Coach Anderson, I w- I'm going to stay over the summer. I want to help. And he's like, you sure? I was like, 100%. Like, I, I want to do this. I, I want to make this a career. And that's actually how I ended up there, you know. And the next year was a blast. You know, we got it as, uh, you know, the interns, Crackleo and I, we were that two head interns. We got to travel to the games and kind of live out that part, which was, I mean, kind of the real feel as a strength coach. You know, you get to travel and do some of that stuff. So that's kind of what got me there. And, you know, like I said, it, it was a really weird path because I ended up at one of the best programs you could end up at, especially internship wise, because they did so much teaching. You know, I still I still sit there and I try to emulate Central. But mm-hmm. with the amount of teams we have and the lack of staff, we still cannot do it anywhere close to that yet. But we're working on that. Well, so along with that, I mean, most of the guys who, you know, either I went to school with or before and they're off at universities now they'll, you know, they've all implemented their own versions of their intern programs. And a lot of it is loosely based off of what they went through at Central, especially um, the guys who were there while Coach Anderson was there. Um, He definitely, I mean, I only worked with him for one year, but that was the whole reason I got into the profession in the first place as well was that guy. Um, So you're, you're going through, so you, that would be your senior year you were a head intern then? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So how how did that go? You know, you're you're doing the head internship. You've gone through the three curriculums, I'm assuming. Um, what was kind of your driving force in life at that point of, you know, your fall semester, you go to the football games. You're now in the spring. Obviously, you mentioned earlier Sterling, which we'll talk a little bit about probably in just a second, but you had gotten a job offer from them, correct? Um, did that, you know, you're with, you're talking with Julie, right? What, what's kind of going on? Because again, you're dealing with trying to figure out what the next step in your life is. So, you know, just, just like uh, I think most strength coaches were, I'm flying by the seam of the pants and I'm trying to figure out what I really like, Man, and then I, I so I, I go through the fall semester and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna start really heavy, heavily looking for GAs, like a GA position. Mm-hmm. And I honestly have no freaking idea what I'm doing. Like 
still to this day, I am embarrassed of like, I'll be like the materials I sent out. I look back and I was like, mm-hmm. ouch. You know, I remember there was a, uh, I had a connection. So I, at this point I'm, um, I, I actually applied for a GA position when I was decided to move on from Sterling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember Jake Anderson put this whole booklet together about, you know, central college. It, man, I think it had to be a hundred pages. I covered all his philosophy, you know, and I still, I put one together actually uh, a few years back and I was still, I need to actually revamp ours now. That's been something I've been thinking about doing for a while. I just haven't had time, but I remember there was a position at UConn and I had a connection and I sent them this stupid booklet of everything. Like they asked for resume references and I sent them that whole thing. And I'm just like, you're you're an idiot. You know, like I look back at it now and you're an idiot. Like just send them what they want and put Jake's name down. That is your best thing you can do. Mm -hmm. And so I, I look back and I'm looking for GAs and, I'm trying to figure it out. And then I get a talk or actually Jake Anderson gets a call from Travis Sterling. Mm -hmm. um, And he says, Hey, who should, if I wanted to hire someone to do a private job, who would you want? And he mentioned Crackley or myself. And uh, which is probably a good thing. He didn't hire Crackley because he couldn't say his name. Even he always said Crackley owl Mm -hmm. or something. So I think still this day, he probably says it the same way, but anyways, so, um, I'm looking for GAs. I'm trying to figure it out. And we get this call. I think this was November or so. And, you know, Travis talks to me and he says, Hey, I'm really interested in doing this. And I'm like, man, it's paying. It's a paid job. I'm kind of excited about it. And yeah, didn't pay great, but had amazing benefits, car, computer, cell phone, you know, the works Mm -hmm. and everything taken care of. So, you know, the pay wasn't great, but all the benefits were amazing. hundred percent dental or sorry, hundred percent health, dental, all that fun stuff. Obviously worked for a, Sterling's a PT clinic, you know, first yeah. having good insurance on stuff was, was, was nice considering I didn't make a ton of money, but mm-hmm. that's kind of where I ended up at. So I'm over here trying to get a GA, trying to move forward. And then I think I get called in, I think it was November. I go in, I meet with them and I thought it went really well. I talked about a lot of stuff, my philosophy, what I think I would like, like to do, how to implement at the high school, so on and so forth. And so I'm kind of like, okay. And nothing happens for like two months. So I'm like kind of back into GA mode looking for a GA. And then he calls me up and he's like, basically, hey, come come on in and talk with me tomorrow or something like that. I can't remember what it was. And he was like, hey, I uh, do you want that job? And I was like, yeah, I want the job, you know. And so I get offered it really early. And that's how you that's how I killed my GPA, you know. (laughs) You know, I, I went to Central and I consistently got a better GPA. I remember my GPA is almost exactly, but I. Had a 3.0 and a 3.0 my first semester, which wasn't bad. I was in a ton of gen eds, and I'm an okay writer, but I didn't like to digest material I don't like to digest. So I was kind of just whatever, you know, you get through it. So 3.0, 3.0, then I start bouncing up, and I'm like 3.1, and then I have 3.6. And then, you know, I think I went three semesters straight with 4.0. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not as dumb as I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I tanked my last semester. It was a the only two oh I think I've ever gotten two something, whatever. It wasn't good. Anyways, it it uh, stopped me from graduating the honors pretty much single handedly, but it is what it is. But then moving forward, you know, I, I took the job. I don't know if we want to transition to Sterling already, but uh, yeah. you know, I took the job in the private sector. So did uh, you start that 
during the spring or did you have to wait till you graduated to start? Yeah, I technically waited till I graduated to start. So gotcha. we did pretty much right out of the gate, you know, and I still remember being like so jacked up because, you know, I don't remember if you remember that Sterling car I had, it had decals covering oh, the whole thing. Oh yeah. Sports performance, Sterling, Sterling, Sterling everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I I actually got given that car in like March, yeah. you know, and I was so excited about it. Before that, I drove this, this, uh, this a 93 Thunderbird, mm-hmm. bright orange. Man, it was like one of those you you love to forget about but love to remember type cars. Oh, every, was, yeah, that's how my first car is. I still think back and I was like, God, I wish I didn't sell that thing. I wish I still had it just to tinker with. But uh, um, so you're starting there. Yep. Did you? So I guess we can kind of go into this because this is going to start getting to when I met you because I met you my first semester my freshman year um because you would come in and you would train either in the morning or kind of mid-afternoon um for weightlifting when did you start doing weightlifting as a sport and how yep so i i was uh i officially actually started my senior year um and it was kind of weird because i i'd always liked weightlifting and i just never got to the point where i want to be competitive and I, I remember I was squatting one day with, with Coach Anderson, and Kyle just, I go into the office, and Kyle's like, wait, you're a pretty flexible guy. And I'm like, okay, maybe. Like, thought, I don't know, maybe. And so I'm sitting there, and I, uh, at this point, we were doing some pretty crazy training. It was kind of all over the place. I remember a few, <laughs> Jake Anderson got to the point where he was, I think he had, he always told me he had training ADD. He didn't like to do the same thing too much. So we were at a point where we were doing what was the name? It was Chaos SWAT CrossFit. Like oh, it yeah, had like, like oh, it was everything. So we had like one bells, all that fun stuff. Yep. So we had like one day that was like CrossFit. One day that's like all misloaded. One day that's like all sandbags and all sorts of crazy stuff. A bodybuilding day in there, and it was all over the place. And I did it for a while, and I thought I kind of enjoyed it. But then I, I sat there and I was like, you know, maybe it'd be nice to have like a, a, a real goal to train for. That's and mark to aim at. And so I decided I talked with Kyle and I was like, you know, I don't know. I don't know where to start. And th- I think the next two years of my life were that way. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I am just shooting, uh, you know, throwing crap against the wall, hoping it sticks. You know, it, it was the scattergun approach, just shoot everywhere type thing. And and I will tell you, that was probably the most frustrating part of getting into weightlifting because I kind of got pulled into it. But then I never got guided for quite a while. And, you know, I was up at Des Moines Strength competing mm-hmm. um, with Kyle and those guys up there. But my, my technique was awful. Like it oh, was, I, I remember, I remember <laughs> and, and no one just like sat there and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking for. You know, mm-hmm. like, at this point I'm thinking, I'm thinking I know a lot more than I know as a, as a strength coach, like, and I just remember like, Oh, it was, it was horrible. I look back at it now and like, seriously, like every pole, my torso angle couldn't have been more than, you know, 15 degrees off parallel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I sit back and I look at it, I'm just like, 
yeesh. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's not good. Um, but I didn't know that. And I, you know, I, I never got taught really how to start or how to do anything. And, you know, I remember the first time I really, really got coaching uh, with Paul Fleshler when I went to do my USAW. I happened to decide, don't ask me why I decided this, but I decided to drive to um, Denver, Colorado to do my certification because uh, Paul Fleshler was there and uh, he brought some pretty dang good lifters with him to uh, explain things to me. And I'm over here, and at the time, I think my best snatch was about 100 kilos or maybe just a hair over. And I'm thinking, like, you know, I'm, like, close to qualifying for nationals, but I'm not really that close. The numbers were pretty bad back then, to be honest with you. And I remember, like, okay, you know, I'm going to go, and, you know, I'm going to impress some people. And I can't think of her name, but there was a girl there that almost outsnatched me, and she was a freaking hoss. But she wasn't big. She wasn't a big girl. Like, yeah. she was just she was built. And and she could snatch not far off from my best. And I was just like, holy crap. And then, but I just remember, like, I was emulating things I'd seen from that stood out to me. And, you know, the one example would be, like, Kyle Johnson pulled with bent arms. You know, he was always so, yep. I mean. Yeah. It, yeah. And uh, so I'm over here trying to think and trying to figure out my own and trying to do my thing. and not worrying about like the basic techniques of things. And then, you know, then I, I, it still took me a long time to get my technique, what I'd even consider decent because I, I really, I was just trying to push numbers, push numbers, push numbers, push numbers. And I didn't know how to program. I didn't know what worked for me. I didn't, here I am just trying to lift as much weight. Didn't matter about form or anything. And you know what happens there. You either get injured or you stop making progress. And I started yeah. to, you know, I started, I had tendonitis in every joint in my upper body. Imagine, because I'm over here trying to pull too much with my arms and yeah. wonder why I can't do this and why I can't increase. But I remember having bicep tendonitis, uh, tricep tendonitis, uh, having issues with my wrists, all sorts of stuff. And I was seriously, at this point, my best clean was 140 kilos. And my best snatch was maybe 105, 107. Um, and that was right around the time I ended up going down to NC State. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot more feedback from Craig Buckley, who's one of the assistants there. He's now the uh, assistant director of performance at Bryant University. And he definitely, you know, he definitely taught me some stuff and helped me move forward with that. Mm-hmm. But I think that right about that same time, my technique was starting to get a little bit better, but wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he had taught me a few basic things and I had figured out a few things on my own. You know, I naturally, I, I lean towards cleans. I, I just, mm-hmm. them. um, you know, it's, it's harder to snatch right away than it is to clean. And now I'm like, I clean one time a week and I snatch five times a week now because mm-hmm. it's hurt a lot more and snatches are more, you know, they're so much more smooth and it's, it's not going to yeah. be the same way. Um, but yeah. And then, and then, uh, Kind of moving forward, I once I got to Winona State, that's actually when I really, you know, my technique started to clean up. It still, it had a long ways to go. I'm not going to lie. I, I should have done better, uh, but I didn't have anyone to guide me. You know, all, almost everything I did in weightlifting was self-taught. Um, I just didn't have a whole lot of guidance of like, dude, take some weight off and worry about keeping your core in this angle instead of doing this. Yeah. 
And I, I wish I would have had a little bit more guidance in it. And God knows maybe my body wouldn't quite hurt as much as it does these days. But you can't really blame anyone but yourself if you're, all you're trying to do is push numbers, numbers, numbers. So, and then, uh, you know, moving forward with that, I, I thought it was really, you know, Winona State was when I started. I got back into competing um, for a few years and had a little bit of enjoyment with that. Kind of felt the urge to do it again after, you know. Yeah. When I, I think I went a good year, year and a half without competing from the time I, I left um, Sterling. I think I went about a year, maybe a little over without competing once I went up to Winona State. And then I, I remember like distinctly probably the most crazy thing I ever did was I remember reading a John Bros article. Mm. And he was he's like max out every day type stuff. And I just said, you know what? To hell with it. I'm going to try it. Yeah, and so I just dive straight headfirst into this, and lo and behold, I I destroyed my old numbers. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I spent a year straight, okay, a year straight doing true Bulgarian, and that was rough. And if you've never done true Bulgarian, try it for a couple weeks, and then try it for a year straight, and you'll realize how bad it hurts. So. I remember the moment I decided to stop doing Bulgarian was when I told my wife at this point, I think Wesley was, he was somewhere around six months and he's starting to crawl and move around, maybe a little bit older than that. And I remember trying to kneel down in my knees so bad. I remember I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to squat down and play with my kid mm-hmm. doing this. And so I, I decided to implement a little bit more um, bodybuilding type stuff in different positions, but I was doing true, you know, my morning session was max snatch, max clean and jerk, max front squat. It was actually, I think I did front squat, snatch, then clean and jerk. And then my afternoon was snatch, clean and jerk, back squat. And that was it every single day, Monday through Friday, one session on Saturday, Sundays were off for a year. Now, the improvements I had, I went from a, you know, 300-pound clean and jerk to a, I think my best when I was 375, so 170 kilos. Mm-hmm. You know, and I went from a, my best snatch, I, mean, I want to say, I'm, I'm pretty confident, 107 uh, to, I did a 136 or 137, it was somewhere right in there, snatch over a year, you know, and, you know, I didn't gain any weight, my body weight stayed consistent. And I still, I, I look back at some of those videos and I shot my hips a little bit and I pulled my shoulders forward and I did things I probably shouldn't have. And at that point, shoot, I probably could have gone 140, 145, you know, honestly, 175, 180, if I was actually healthy yeah. um, and doing things better. You know, again, you're shooting your hips, you're putting a ton of pressure on your back. And, uh, you know, I, I remember we lived four hours away from home at that point up in Winona. Minnesota, and I remember just the car rides were just horrible because my back was always so tight. And it, I mean, it's all it's been away for ten years now, but like I still hate car rides because I know my back's gonna get tight. I know my right knee's just gonna sit and throb the whole time. But <laughs> you know, I just remember those four-hour trips were the worst. Like you never get into a groove. You know, at ten hours right now, it's a ten-hour trip home. We only go home probably twice a year, but yeah. and it's that's horrible. But like once you get at you know, two or three hours, you just know you got a long ways to go. You just keep going. And half the time we stop 
we generally stop anyways halfway to stay at a hotel for the night. You should go four, four and a half hours, crash at a hotel, make the next day a slow trip yeah. up. Like I said, we only go back twice a year, so we take our time going back. But uh, you I just really kids. See- got two kids. Let's not forget about that. Both under 10 years old. Oh, oh. well, probably back then there. Oh, yeah, you've got three. Um, one's definitely under 10 years old. <laughs> A little closer to zero and further away from 10, but... Um, she, she turned seven months the other yeah. night. I feel dumbfounded on that. But. <laughs> but, I mean, definitely nowadays, taking those type of trips, big, big impact on you because uh, you got three other bodies to worry about other than that are not uh, fully developed yet. Yeah, they, uh, so I got an eight-year-old boy and a four-year-old boy, and they're they're pretty rambunctious but they also sit and play on their tablets for eight hours straight so you can control them that way the mm-hmm. seven old though not so easy so <laughs> you know we we get a lot more people to come visit us these days due to the fact that uh, we have three kids to move around um then we do going back up you know julie's parents come back you know her mom and dad are saints they're amazing people um i'm not just saying that either they actually really are amazing people and uh, they come down, you know, I would say they come down every six to eight weeks and stay the weekend or shoot. I always tell them they can stay however they want, however long they want. They always buy me good, good food and uh, watch the kids and let us go out on date nights and stuff. I'm all down for <laughs> whatever they want. Shoot, Julie's dad mowed my, my yard last time he was here. So <laughs> I never complain about that. Yeah. Um, so we're talking a little, you get done with your Bulgarian training. So. We mentioned this, so you were at Sterling. You were there for about a year. Yep. Correct. So that's when I met you. I was a, a very different situation. I was the nobody in there who definitely didn't look like they belonged in a weight room at all. Uh, I fully admit that. Um, I probably still don't look like a wa- I belong in a weight room most times when I go in there, but at least I can move some decent numbers these days. Um, but... Going from Sterling, you mentioned it, you went to uh, North Carolina after that. Um, what caused that transition for you? Going yeah. from that private sector to moving away from home. I mean, again, you weren't at home, but you weren't that far away being in Pella. But Yeah, so I started doing the whole private thing. Specifically, the high school tended to be a lot of the problem now. I didn't mind working with the high school kids, but it was a really weird program setup. So we were basically offering a service to the high school for free, actually, at that point. And we the idea was behind it was that I'd be able to get referrals to the PT clinic through the high school, which is a little bit of a. Not not exactly. Yeah, I don't want to say it's sketchy. They're offering a free service. Probably expect something to come out of it. But it was just one of those moments where you're like. I'm like trying to sell our stuff and at the Mm -hmm. same you know we did this performance nutrition type stuff we're talking about i don't remember what the name was it wasn't performance nutrition because i think i'd steal that from someone but anyways it was something nutrition it was all educational and we charged for it and it's really hard for me to to separate selling my stuff versus just giving it you know like to me information should just be given Mm -hmm. remember bringing kids in and charging them pretty good money to go over nutrition, you know, and training stuff. And I, it was 
it was rough. I didn't like, I didn't care for that. I didn't like charging for everything. I like getting paid a paycheck and just being able to do everything I want to do. Yeah. Um, and that was what, that was probably the biggest reason I got out was it was, it was one of those things that, you know, I felt like a lot of times I was the protein salesman, you know, like I remember going down to William Penn and talking to those guys, all great guys. You know, I bring 40 tubs of protein down to them and they give me the money for it. And I'm just like, is this what I want to do? You know, mm-hmm. I, and it was nothing against it. I, it, I, it was a fine job really. It was, but, uh, I just knew that after working in the private and going to the high school, cause there, high schools have drama, mm-hmm. you know, Pella, there's, there's a lot of money in Pella, which means there's even more drama. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing in particular that was, you know, really bad. As a matter of fact, we ended up being phenomenal. And I think we ended up, we went to the semis and, in, in uh, football for three a and i think we if i'm not mistaken i think they won the state championship in men's basketball mm-hmm. that year and then they turn around and afterwards i think they win like four or five straight state titles of football yeah uh, you know they, they were unstoppable and i'd like to think a small part of me helped create that that program and start building it up but you know i spent a year there we, we were pretty dang good you know it, it was a very similar idea to how central was you know we mm-hmm. dominant the conference and we we kind of, I, I think when we started, we recreated a little central at Pella High and at Sterling. And then there's a few problems. Number one, I didn't have my own weight room, so I'm training at a central. And that was just kind of, and it was a little bit of a conflict of interest at the same time because I'm over here like weird hours, unlike central where we were always busy. You know, we always had something to do. And if you didn't have anything to do, you just go find another group that was working out. And, yeah. You know, you get extra time. And, well, I kind of felt like the outsider when I was there because I didn't really feel like I wanted to go. I wasn't with Central anymore, but I still wanted to be Central. I still wanted to do all that. And so I, I think I, I was a little bit of a, I guess I was confused where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And so I got there thinking and I, I started looking all over, applying for assistant jobs. I'm thinking, man, okay, I'm in the private sector. I got, I'm the director of sports performance for Sterling Sports Performance. People are going to love this title. I'm going to be so like everyone's going to want to give me a job. Mm-hmm. That, that was not the case, you know. Yeah. So I actually ended up going back down to, well, I ended up going back to the university setting um, with a unpaid internship. Yeah. You know, at North Carolina State, and you know, I don't blame anybody on this. Our our head strength coach was Todd Rice there at the time, uh, and he, Todd Rice still probably one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Now. He may have been smart because he was so confident. Like that dude was like, there was no question. He was never wrong. Like mm-hmm. that's how he wasn't himself. You never question him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was, he was a very intelligent guy. You know, I will tell you, say that biomechanics and everything like that. So much of the stuff that he was teaching even 10 years ago is stuff that's coming out now is like cutting edge, mm-hmm. but he was teaching it different back then. You know, he, it wasn't right back then, but, um, Little things like that. I, I could go into a lot of details, but he was really big on sprinting mechanics, you know, biomechanics in general, the, the pressure on the feet. You know, I, I think we say this all the time, but all what, what's the number of coaching cue on squats? Heels, 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 heels. Mm-hmm. His, his was actually, no, stop telling people to squat on their heels. Like, you know, yeah. you, need to, you need to have plenty of weight on the ball, foot, so on and so forth. And there's a few examples, you know, he, he was very smart. And he was, he was, he had his negatives too. But anyway, so. I go there and uh, I go down there with the promise that if I do well, 
that I'll get a GA position with mm -hmm. NC State football. And I only worked with football down there, and we had a phenomenal facility. That facility was amazing. I, at the time, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was actually one of the one of the biggest or the biggest football only weight room in the nation. Mm -hmm. uh, it was phenomenal. So I go down there, and I'm I'm like, all right, I'm going to work my butt off, and I did. I worked my butt off. You know, spent every dime I have moving, living for free, working nights, sometimes till two or three in the morning uh, as a bouncer. And uh, I get I go in one day and I'm like, hey, you know, it's kind of we're a good amount of way through the semester or through the summer. I was like, am I going to be able to get that GA? And, uh, you know, can't remember if it was Buckley or if it was D'Antonio Burnett. Um, and D'Antonio is actually the director. He's assistant athletic director of sports performance at NC State with football. Phenomenal okay. guy. I will say, I could say a million good things about him and probably zero bad things, actually. So <laughs> I remember, I don't remember if it was D'Antonio or if it was Buckley, but those were the two assistants at the time. I said, Hey, am I going to, am I going to get that GA? Cause I don't like I'm struggling right now just to think about future. And they're like, no, no, it, it's, it's yours. And not a week later, I recall Todd Rice getting into a fight right in front of me, the head football coach. And this was a Friday. I get a call Monday. He's like, hey, just so you know, uh, I don't know how to say it, but just flat out say it. The GA was cut and given to nutrition. And I was just like, what? I, I, spent a lot of, I spent my savings, my life savings coming down here to get my master's, to get back in, you know, and, and at the time I was. I don't know that I was stuck on division one. I just yeah. knew it was a, it looks better on a resume. Um, still to this day, I don't, I'm not stuck in division one, division two, anything like that. It's, it's the opportunity often. So anyways, and that's actually, I ended up at Winona state. So yeah. that was my next thing. That's where you went for grad school where you yep. got your master's at. So let's kind of, and you, you already mentioned it. That's kind of where you uh, re fell in love with weightlifting. Cause I think I, I started coaching you, probably a year or two later, I think, I'm trying to remember Yeah, yeah when I was been. doing your programming, probably like 2014, either late 2013 or 2014. Yep. Yeah, it would have been, uh, I think it would have been 2014 when you started. Yeah. But so Winona State was kind of weird because there was actually a good amount of us there. So we had, there were four strength coaches. We had a ton of teams. So we had two GAs, one assistant, one full-time. And then I ended up starting up a big internship program while I was there, too, just kind of a random thing. And then last time I knew, I think it's still going up there. So we had a ton of bodies. And I remember, I think I had four teams to take care of, three or four teams. And it, it was, honestly, it was cake. And I remember, like, I, I just remember thinking, like, man, I don't have that much to do. Mm -hmm. Like, I've never been in this situation where I'm not working, like, 10, 12-hour days and then, Whatever. So I remember I was like, I, when I was at NC State, I remember talking with Craig Buckley about Bulgarian training, and I'm like, no, I can never do that. And so I'm there for a month or two, and I'm like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Like, I'm just going to train. And I remember just kind of enjoying it, you know, kind of like a sick, my legs were dead kind of way. And then I just kept slowly doing it. And, you know, there was a time where I was kind of tracking everything and, and making sure everything was exactly here and here and here and here and total volume and tonnage and reps and everything. And then I got to the point where I was like, 
screwed. I'm just going to max out. I'm just going to go heavy every single day. And I did. And my numbers went up. They went up a lot. I, as, as a weightlifting coach, I'll say this about Bulgarian. It does, if you can do it, it makes you really strong. But might not make you technically proficient or what I would consider, you know, technically pretty. But you can lift some big weights. So it, it's something that I think everyone should at least try. But definitely not for everybody. Not for 99% of people out there. Well, and, and again, I'm I'm a naturally I'm a pretty flexible person. I've got pretty good control, good proprioception, you know, good kinesthetic awareness. I think I'm naturally fairly suited for Bulgarian training due to the fact that, you know, I I would like to think I'm a I'm a decent athlete. Um, I could always recover quickly, and then just being flexible. You know, like if if you were to take someone that's stiff hipped and go throw them in a Bulgarian training, good luck. You know, like. You're going to be a week in it and you're going to have pulled hip flexors or pulled something or something's going to give. And, you know, that that's when I, I think um, I, I think that uh, that was when I got back and like, actually, let me rephrase that. That's probably the first time I got into obsessive training. Mm-hmm. And when I say obsessive training, I mean, like the, if you have a bad lift, like it ruins your day type stuff, you yeah. know, like. Yeah, I understand that that happened to me where, you know, I trained when I was at Central and that's when I started coaching weightlifting. But until I got to grad school and was deep diving into that program, that's when I started training every day, sometimes twice a day and, you know, took things way more seriously. But it just it wasn't that what was happening at other places was wrong. It's just it wasn't the exact stimulus that I needed to get me, you know, fired up to get me dived in. So I can definitely uh, see eye to eye with you on that. So, um, so you're, you're starting it, you're starting to love training. You're starting to, uh, I would say your mental investment into training is probably higher than it's ever been as well. Would that be accurate? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely, you know, I, I remember thinking, I know this is bad as a strength coach. Here I'm trying to be a, a strength conditioning professional. And I remember thinking, like, your number one goal today is get your training in, like your number mm-hmm. one goal training in. And it took me forever. You know, it'd take me 30, 40 minutes to get warmed up because everything's so stiff. You know, I remember the first squat of the day was always unbearable, like just trying to get my hips loose into moving. I remember one time Jeff Renardi, which is the, he was the director of strength conditioning and of the fitness center at Winona state. Cause they have an all, it's not just for athletes. They have a, a full humongous mm-hmm. facility, but it's general population. And I remember one day he calls me. He's like, Hey, Zach, you, you lift all the time. Can you demo a snatch to these guys? And I'm like, it's 6am. My knees don't bend until about 9am. And I don't even start training till about 10 a.m. Like, it's just, okay. And so I remember doing a rep, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, you can't make the face. You got to make it look good. Do your mm-hmm. stuff. Get your reps. Stand up with it. No problem. And then walk up in the corner and cry a little bit. You know, no. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I remember that. But, yeah, yeah. At that point, like, I was so invested. I was like, okay, the beating is taking on my body is fine. And I still actually look back. And I, I don't think it was the Olympic lifts that hurt me the most. I think it was the way I squatted. 
I learned to squat like Kyle Johnson, and he just dive bomb squats. Oh, yeah. I mean, and super narrow stance, which doesn't make sense for a weightlifter either. Um, so I'm just over here dive bombing. And at this point, I remember, here, here's the craziest thing. I clean and jerk 375 pounds. My max back squat at that point was 450 or 465 pounds. Like, that's, that's not very good, you know, yeah. for, you know, and it's because I dive bombed and like, I, I wasn't built for that. I just wasn't built for that. And I'm, I'm a, like, I can clean and almost be perfectly vertical even right now. And I'm old and everything hurts a little bit more. But, uh, and then same thing, front squats, just, you know, just dive bomb in there. Don't yeah. worry about the position or anything. As long as the bar stays on your shoulders, you can stand it up. Yeah. Well, that that's obviously uh, not good. And I never got great. I still think my best front squat when I was at Winona State was just around 400 pounds, even clean and jerking 375. Yeah. Uh, I guess just it, it's something I didn't I didn't teach myself well to you know to push my knees out get my feet wide enough so my butt could sit in between work on good depth work on good torso position I was just dive bombing and hoping I could get out of the bottom and you know that that was the one thing I think when it came to training I just didn't do a lot of things really well like I didn't work on the fundamentals even the things that I knew to teach athletes. I'm over here like, oh, no, I don't have to do that because I'm a weightlifter. Well, damn, that's a dumbass thing to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, the fundamentals need to be there for everyone. They're fundamentals for a reason. You yeah. know, like, squat. you better be upright torso with your knees out, you know, with a good base that's suitable for your femur length. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you're going to fold over, put a lot of pressure on your back. I, I don't care. I still – you dive bomb squat, you're going to put pressure on your SI joint eventually. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, my SI is, you know, it still pops all the time, you know, and yeah. I, probably when I actually did the damage to it was just, just crushing myself in the bottom. Um, but no. And then, so I, I spent a year Bulgarian training at that point. And uh, so it was a point where I stopped seeing progress and I'm like, okay, I got to try some other variations. Like I got to do something because I'm going to lose it. Like I'm just, I'm ready to lose it. At this point, I'm, you know, I'm stagnant. My training, I stopped making PRs. Like I've been doing consistently just a kilo and then you yeah. know, a couple of days, kilo, you know, you know how it is. You just slowly work your way up. And so I'm like, I've got to try something different. I just have to do something different. So I start trying some block variations, and you know, hang variations and all sorts of different stuff, which, you know, did it help me? I don't know if it helped me so much as it just deloaded the mind a little bit and let you try some different stuff and you can set new PRs. And that's a good thing about anytime you do doubles and triples and block and hang and, you know, single leg snatch, rear foot elevate, you know, you know what I mean? Just yeah. something random. You can set a new PR. Yeah. And anytime you get to set a new PR, I think that's fun. Like I remember, shoot, it wasn't even probably six months ago. I said, I think a five rep squat PR, which nothing impressive considering my best squat ever 600 pounds. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I said a five rep 500 for five or something like that, which is the best I've ever done. Something close to that 495, 500 for five or something like that. And uh, 
I was still like, it's not overly impressive considering what I have squatted, but I geared so much for one reps for so long. Like I'm just going to be happy with any PR I ever set ever again. Yeah. You know, it's same with, you know, I got to the point. So the, the other thing I didn't do really well was when I was doing all my training, I didn't know bodybuilding, no accessory work, no nothing. It was all Olympic lifts, squats and pulls like, and that was it. And I remember getting to a point where I was just like fed up with it. I, I was just like, man, I so tired. And honestly, I, I hate to say this, but I, I was not out of shape, out of shape, but I was definitely not in great shape, you know, like, and I remember like, I didn't care. Like my goal was weight. It was just put up weight, put up weight, put up weight. And so I remember I finally got to, uh, so I get down to Winona State and I go down to Abilene Christian. Yeah. So that's your first job out of college. Like, well, not out of, not counting Sterling, but this is yep. first job out of your master's degree, right? Abilene yep. Christian. So I spent two years at Winona State and had a good time. But again, it was one of those, I don't know that, you know, I learned a ton strength conditioning wise there. But we did learn, we definitely learned some stuff. I think that was a bit when the, you know, like uh, Kelly Starrett was getting big. We did a ton of mobility. Yeah. But as far as actually learning about more and more philosophy, I don't think I that was where I grew that much. But at the same time, at this point, you've been exposed to a lot. So, so anyways, I go down to Abilene Christian. I was there for not quite a year and a half, just a little bit over a year. And this is where my real challenges came into. So my challenges came from how in the heck can you get your training done when you're working from 5 30 a.m till 7 30 p.m almost consistently at some points mm -hmm. and th this was probably in my career i don't want to talk negatively about anything um because i i really don't i think there's there's all sorts of experiences and you can take you can take negative experiences and turn those into positives and I think that's what I'm the direction I go when I talk about Abilene Christian was we were so overworked. I mean, it was almost like just to the point of like, that's not possible. Like you should never have to be doing what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, but my biggest problem I think was the fact that I could not get quality training time. in, And that was like my go-to, that was my escape. And if I didn't get quality training in, it started to affect me mentally and I just get really pissy and I'm just like, why am I not getting quality? You know, so I remember I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna, and th at this point, I'm still doing loose Bulgarian. I'm doing a lot of variations. I'm doing a lot of block work, and still not doing enough accessory stuff to keep myself healthy and stuff like that. So this is where 14-hour days and even more. Like I remember, I started getting in at 4 a.m. to get my first training session done because I knew I couldn't get two sessions done because I can't remember exactly what it was, but we had like seven football groups in one day. Like it was absurd. Like we had like a seven and eight, a nine, a one, uh, you know, it was just like we catered so much more than we should have to everyone. And then on top of that, I had baseball, softball, cross country, tennis, track. I, I don't know. I had like seven teams. And it's just like, how am I going to get 13 groups in one day? It's like Mondays are just like impossible. How could you do it? And so, you know, I, I sat there and I, I think I start training at 4 a.m., train for an hour, hour and a half. 
and, it, and that's not quality training. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I can get in and train at 6 a.m. I still actually do Saturdays and Sundays. I get on at 6 a.m. And I train, and it's just kind of my escape and my way to get warmed up and get going on things. Um, my family sleeps through it all, and I get in at about 8, and we eat breakfast, and then I go about my day, usually woodworking on the weekends, but that's another story we'll talk about in a minute. Um, so I'm going through it, and uh, I'm getting up at 4 a.m., trying to get some quality training, which rarely happened, but I was getting stuff done, so I felt good. And then I justified. Like, if I didn't hit big, big weights, so that's 4 a.m., like, I'll get them later. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I'm a little bit better with that. But then all of a sudden, next thing I know, you know, I'm getting to bed. I have to go to bed by if I'm in at four, I get up at three thirty. I have to go to bed by seven thirty. That's when I get off work. Yeah. Right? So I remember, you know, probably low point in my career. I remember going to my boss at the time. And I won't say the whole conversation because it's just not all positive. But I remember saying, Coach, I haven't seen my son in five days. Like I haven't seen him in a week. I haven't seen him since last weekend. And basically long of the shores, my boss was like, deal with That's it. The one. Yeah. Like figure it out. Right? And I, at this point I'm just like, so you're telling me I'm just like not going to be able to see my kids. And you know, there, there was a, I, I don't want to say too much other than, you know, when it came down to it, we ended up with some fractured relations there. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not ever going to sit there and blame him. I'm not going to blame my boss. When I, I was just as much at fault, if not more, you know, I, I've learned about being an assistant and working too many hours. And, you know, let's just say my first full-time job was baptism by fire, which mm-hmm. is an ironic thing since it was a Christian university. But, yeah. you know, I look back at that and it, it was a very big learning point for me, but it, as far as like my training with it, my training at that point. So I'm, I'm hurting. Like I, I know, like, I look back on things now and I know I was a, a lot closer to a breaking point then than I ever thought I was knowing that now. And I remember my training was my saving grace back then. Mm-hmm. So I'm over here and I know when I'm in trouble, like when I'm hurting and stressed that the more overtrained I am, and I know this for a fact, the less I really care. Like, and I, I used that actual mechanism. I used overtraining while I was at Abilene Christian to get through the long days mm-hmm. and, the, you know, the relationship I had with my boss. And again, I, I don't want to sit there and say too much bad about it, but there was definitely some, we had some issues going into it. Um, but again, I, that's going to be the end of that. But, um, and I used that overtraining to numb myself, like to an extreme. Yeah. And that's the first time I ever pushed myself to, probably what I'd call an extremely unhealthy point in training. Yeah. So, and I've still, I, I took that, I still take over training. And, um, I think a lot of people make this comment all the time. They're like, Oh, you got to take time off. You gotta, you gotta take time off. You just gotta have something off. And I, I don't, I don't do that. Like, I don't believe in that necessarily. I think it's, you know, the old school thought is you're not over training. You're under recovering. Now, I definitely do not train my athletes seven days a week and I don't encourage them to, mm-hmm. but I, tra- I still train seven days a week. Um, because I, I just like to, I like yeah. to feel like something. If I take a day off, I, I was taking Sundays off and my Monday lift was garbage every single day, every single Monday. My, my lift was, I knew it was going to be a lighter day trying to get feeling like I wanted to lift again and get moving. Like I want to lift again. So that's why I just don't take days off. Like my Saturday and Sundays are like 35, 40 minute lifts. 
maybe I spent about 20 to 30 minutes taking care of the facility, you know, getting our iPads and stuff like that. Um, but like when it comes down to it for me, it's, it's just about moving. It's not like, I'm not going to sit there and, and do all my max effort lifts and all that stuff necessarily, but it doesn't mean I don't go heavy some days. Like this morning I did a 296 pound. Um, it looked really good by the way. I, I thought it was a decent technique. That was at 630, 40, you know, like, I just felt good about it. And then mm-hmm. yesterday uh, was, uh, you know, my Saturday lift. It was horrible. Like, it was just nothing was moving. Everything just kept drifting forward. Like, I, I was doing, uh, shoot, what variation was I doing yesterday? I'm trying to think what I was doing. Oh, I was just doing hang snatches, you know, and uh, my bar just kept drifting out. And no matter what I did, I could not fix it. So I ended up getting up to 245 pounds and I missed it. And I was like, I'm out for the day. Like, I'm done. I'm going to go do a little rehab and, and move on with life. Um, and then turn around a day and I thought, it, cake, I definitely had more in the tank and do a 296-pound block snatch. But, you know, you just have stuff like that. But uh, so kind of going back to, to Abilene Christian. So I, I spent a little bit of time there. And I, I think that was – where I really got my grind mentality of lifting, you know, like I still, I, and I still have a grind mentality for sure. Um, but a job pop, pops open at Missouri Southern, Missouri yeah. Southern State University. Um, and still to this day, the, the guy I was under there is a dear friend of mine and I will not say enough good things about him, but uh, Troy Jorgensen gives me an offer, um, better pay uh, about four and a half hours from home not a bad trip. And so I'm there for almost three years. Uh, now this is when I think my training actually evolved to what it is now. You started writing my, pro- I actually, so uh, you offered, like you kind of offered to write my programs. Okay. Cause at that point I was coaching Jake and, yep. um, you'd come up for meets and I would be like, if you ever need help, I know I'm young, but I'll help. But uh, it was one of the biggest, uh, for me as a young weightlifting coach, I will say, like, Jake and Jake started weightlifting when I started coaching weightlifting, because pretty much it was, he was, it was uh, my freshman, summer of my freshman year at Central, his, summer of his sophomore year, I guess, and we both just kind of dove straight into that. I was like, well, I can't lift weights. I suck at weightlifting. My body doesn't like to change directions but I really like coaching it. So I'm going to coach you as you lift. And that's kind of how that all started. But um, one of the big things was when you asked me like, okay, Hey, will you do this? And I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Yes, I will. <laughs> so I look back and I, I had a couple of things. So I was so stuck with the Bulgarian method. Like I, mm-hmm. I knew I'd gotten great results from it. And so I basically, I'd, I call this like the Russian approach to Bulgarian, which is not at all Russian approach, but so I was just doing a lot more block work and hang work and variations. And I remember still not doing accessory strength work. Yeah. And I, I still, I, I, I'm dumbfounded that this never clicked, you know? And again, I'm over here and I've got way too much interest in John Bro's science. Yeah. And uh, again, that, not to say it, I didn't get stronger, but I remember right before I left the summer of 2013, when I was at Abilene Christian, 
you know, I left in August there, moved up to Joplin for Missouri Southern. And I have a picture of it. And I don't know that I'd say I was fat, but I wasn't far off. Mm-hmm. You know? And I remember seeing that picture and I was just like, oof, it's not the best look. But again, I'm over here. It's just weight. It's just, I'm just worried about lifting weight. Who cares how I look? That'll come just fine. So, anyways, flash forward to probably six months at Missouri Southern. And at this point, I had, and I actually, I first did this when I was right out of high school playing alumni football and I dove on one of my shoulders and I still to this day bothers me every now and then, but I, and I dislocate a rib and it was super painful. And at that point I wasn't, you know, I'm 18 years old and I didn't know how to deal with pain quite as much. So I just stopped lifting entirely. I didn't do anything to make it better. And so long story short, I go back to it and this rib starts bothering me again. And we're talking, shoot, we're talking from 2006 to 2013, like, you know, seven years later, well, I'm catching my cleans and I'm not worried about this position. I'm letting myself get slumped down. Yeah. No brainer. Like, yeah, you're going to get hurt doing that. And so I just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And finally, I think I got to a meet and I think I actually did all right at the meet, but I got done and I was just hurting. I mean, I was hurting. That rib was just, you know, couldn't breathe, couldn't do anything. And I don't know which. I don't know what lifts I got or whatever I was, but so I, I sit there and, and I'm like, okay. And that's when I talked to you. I said, Hey, uh, basically in my mind, I said, I'm going to give this guy eight weeks and like, we're going to see what goes on. Like, and so all of a sudden there's so many variations on there and I still believe what actually fixed, you know, cause here I am catching cleans and I, I'm a, like, I'm a pretty, what I want to say, like, like I can get in really weird positions and be pretty strong. Yeah. You're, you're, so I, I separate, I actually think you and Niederman are perfect examples of almost the opposite ends of the weightlifting spectrum where, um, and you mentioned it earlier, like really your strength ratio might not be the greatest between your snatch and clean and jerk and your back squat, front squat, but you have you're what I call is you're you're a lifter who if you catch something like if you caught a clean you're going to stand up with it it's one of those things like you can muscle through a clean or if you're a little off in your snatch you can muscle through it you have that ability to brute strength it to complete the lift where then you've got kind of the other end of the spectrum was Niederman who you know his I think at one point his best clean was 170 and his best front squat was like 180 so it was if he was in the wrong position he couldn't make it but it also makes fixing problems really really easy when you can know okay well fears if he catches it he's going to stand up with it that's that was like the thing that when i remember first watching you lift i was like well if i can just fix some of his technique issues just even a little bit his lifts are just going to go through the roof um because, and that's what, from, from my standpoint, you talked about, I started making you doing a lot more variations. Um, again, for people who don't know this, I was not coaching you in person. Like this was not, I wasn't able to do, you know, video conferencing or anything like that. Um, so in my mindset, the best way to fix technique issues, if you can't 
see them in person and, you know, give a lot of coaching cues, if you will, is to make them do movements or accessory movements that force their body into the positions that they need to be in. So you almost indirectly teach them the motor pattern a different way without ever verbalizing it. Um, and I think that helped you out a lot when you first started up on my stuff. Yeah, I still look back and I there there were a couple of things. Number one was we did pause front squats all the time. Okay. Yep. Still to this day, I think the pause front squat is one of my favorite lifts of all time. Um and I got abnormally good at it too. I got mm-hmm. abnormally good. I mean, still to this day, my best pause front squat is four hundred and eighty-five pounds. And my best front squat ever is five oh five. So pretty good efficiency there of yeah you know, 90 high 90 percent mm-hmm. my best back squat of all times is 600 and my best pause back squat of all time is 585 yeah so again 97 half percent barely barely any different mm-hmm. uh, but then i got i got out of the slump like i got to a point where i was feeling a lot more healthy and then the other thing that you threw in there was an obsessive amount of back work and uh like i remember doing three by 20 four by 20 rows and being just like gassed because i hadn't done rows but the best thing was i could still go and at any point i could always go and knock out 15 pull-ups you know mm-hmm. so like the program said three by 15 yeah it might take me 20 minutes to do but i could get those done on pull-ups and stuff like that um but then started doing a lot more pause variations of the pulls pause variations in the squats and a ton of rowing. And then I got back in, I, I think I kind of got away from like just loving weightlifting and started liking lifting weights again, like benching, mm-hmm. doing other stuff too. And at the same time, you know, here I am not, you know, I know my best squat when I left Abilene Christian was 500 pounds. And I was like, I'm over here thinking 500 pounds is a big squat. Like, man, that's a lot. And then, you know, I don't know when you get, when you put something in your head and you're like, okay, this is a lot of weight. Um, then if that's a lot of weight, and then when you just finally are like, okay, this really isn't a lot of weight. Why don't you do more? Mm-hmm. Then you usually end up that PR is pretty good for a while. And so I remember I'm at Missouri Southern and, uh, I'm like, you know, like, let's get this back squat up. Like, let's go 550. Like, I don't know where, why 550 came into mind. And sure enough, not long after you get it locked in of like, hey, I'm going to do this. 500 is really not that heavy. You do 550. You know, and the same thing happened. I hadn't bench pressed in seven years. Uh, so 14. No, uh, six years. I didn't bench press in six years. And my best bench press at the time was 300 pounds ever. That's the most I'd ever benched. And that's not overly impressive. And so one goal I had when I was a kid, I remember I was like 12 years old. I'm like, I'm going to bench 350 pounds. And I'm like, why? I don't know. It's just a big number at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing all this Olympic lifts and, and all this stuff for years on end without doing much strength work at all. Or truthfully, you know, I've been squatting, but I hadn't done any upper body, body actual lifts almost ever. And I get to the point where I'm like, OK, so we're going to start benching and we're doing this stuff again. And I remember the very first day. I were at 225 for 10 reps and I'm like. That's kind of easy, actually. And that pretty much computes to 300-pound bench. And I'm like, 
that can't be right. And so I decide I'm going to go until I can get 15 reps. And I'm going to bump the weight up. And needless to say, it took me six weeks to bench 350. And I was actually really disappointed with that. Mm-hmm. I was like, lifetime goal from when I was a child was done so easily. And it was a 50 pound increase just simply because I'd learned how to use my body better. You know, like yeah. I'm sure there was a lot of neural activity going on that was there that wasn't there when I, you know, wasn't doing Olympic lifts and squatting all the time, doing all that stuff. But, and so I decided I was like, okay, 405 is my new goal. And I did end up getting that. Like it took me like 10 months to get, you know, another time I, like when I, I'm at Missouri Southern. Let me, let me back up before I tell that story. So <laughs> Missouri Southern. And at this point I'm going on, like I've been there for almost three years, uh, two and a half years. And, uh, at this point I, I'm training and all that stuff. And my training is going really well. Um, and I still remember the exact, like the exact time this happened. Cause I remember I sent you a message right afterwards. You've been writing my program. I went down. So in a matter of, I think four months, I did three meets, which was way too many. <laughs> I did one up in Des Moines. I did one in, where was it? In Kansas city. Um, mid mid eastern something nazarene whatever mid oh yeah i know what you're talking about Uh, nazarene but yeah i know anyways mid eastern mid something whatever anyways so i i do a meet there and then i go we go down and do a meet in arkansas and at this point you know i've been competing for quite a while at this point um and i think i qualified it's like my seventh or eighth year. I qualify for nationals now. I hate to say this in my entire career. I never once made it to a national meet for a ton of mi- a million reasons. Mostly because I was broke the whole time. You know, um, I couldn't justify spending money doing that and not taking care of my family because it, it was tight. Like money was mm. tight. And this, this was actually the moment I knew like, the actual career is done. Like I'm ready to do the next thing in life. I went down and so we had this meet down in Arkansas and I outsnatched the highest clean and jerk next in line. And, and it was one of those, like no one knew who I was. Well, I shouldn't say that. People knew who I was. They, they, they knew that I had decent numbers, but I go down there and I was on point. Like I was, I was lifting well and I was coming off of a really bad cold too. I remember that. Like mm-hmm. when I get in like my best training cycles always end with me getting like a pretty rough cold. And I always, as soon as I get over that cold, like that's my best peaking cycle. And that's exactly what happened. So I go down. I think I. Oh, hold on. No, nope, that was me. Oh, okay. So anyways, I go down and I, you know, easily snatch, I think 140 clean jerk, 175. And I remember getting done and like, I was just like stoic. Like I didn't, I was just like, whatever. And I was like, I don't want to compete anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I remember sending you a message not long after. I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to compete anymore. I still like lifting. Like I was getting so to the point, like my meets about six weeks out from meets, like everything, the volume from weightlifting went up and everything else went down. 
And I just remember, I was like, if I want to actually be a really good strength coach and a really good father and a husband, I was like, I got to get out of this because I am too into it now. Like I am, like I, I've done too much with this. Like I, I've gotten too obsessive. Yeah. And I, I still like, I, I, I don't know. I am not saying I'll never compete in a meet again, but um, probably not as a, you know, a senior. It'll probably. Oh, uh-oh. That's bad again. <laughs> oh, it's all good. No. So I get to, uh, so I get through, and this is just about the end. This is about when I'm about to leave at Missouri Southern as well. And so I'm sitting there and I just like, I knew it. And I, I was like one of those really, really hard things to describe when you're like, it's like leaving a job. Like, it's like when you know you're moving on to something different. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there and I'm just like, is it like, really, is this going to be like, and it was, it was kind of last time I competed. And that was, shoot, that was uh, 2016, mm-hmm. 2017, somewhere there. So that was kind of the last time I really did meets. You know, I ended up, the best lifts I ever did, I ended up going, uh, in training, I went one. You hit a 150, didn't you? Snatch? And a half from the floor. I actually hit 155 up blocks. Yeah. And I went, uh. 185 on a clean and then I, I ended up doing I think 180 182 183 clean and jerk uh, was actually my best lifts and the, the worst part was you know like I was definitely in contention to go and, and get some decent medals and do some fun stuff mm-hmm. it just never happened. uh that was probably the hardest part and then I I moved from there that was uh so I, I'm I'm sitting there and I've been there for two and a half, two and a half years and I'm starting to feel like, you know, it's time to move on, try to look for a head position or or a, a bigger university, whichever one comes up first. So, you know, I go and I interview for a ton of jobs for head positions and then what I would consider really good assistant positions. And, you know, I, I still at this point, I think I'm getting pretty confident in my career. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I, I there were definitely there were one job. I don't even say which university it was. Um, There's a division three school and I go up. And I uh, do really well in the interview. And they actually had an uh, in-person coaching session where you took and you actually had about a dozen athletes to coach them through lifts. So, you know, I just choose the most basic of stuff. I teach them like the most basic of stuff, just your standard push-pull, RDL, squats, whatever. You know, and I get done and the athletic director pulls me aside and she was like, we had like five or six candidates come up and do this. And she was like, that was unbelievable. That was a, by far the best we had come up here. I was like, oh, well, that sounds like I got this job. And it was a big pay increase and it was closer to home. And so I go, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't really know about taking this job. I didn't really want the job necessarily, but it was a pay increase. It was closer to home. There's a lot of really good things there. So I'm like, you got to take it if you had offered it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden the phone call comes through and I'm like, all right. All right, just, you know, straight face, hold into it, you know, don't. And she's like, um, Zach, I, I just want you to tell you we're going a different direction. And I'm like, oh, damn, like, well, that kind of hit me hard. I'm like, thinking I had this job. And she goes, don't get me wrong. She's like, your coaching was spectacular, but I just feel like you're, you're a very aggressive coach. I was like, yeah, I'm a very aggressive coach. 
She goes, I don't know if that's going to fit at our university. And I, I remember that was a moment where I was like, good, then don't hire me. Like I am, I'm a very up in your face, aggressive coach. Like I'm loud. I probably say things I shouldn't say sometimes, but like, and I remember that moment of being like the, okay, so looking for people other than me. Um, and then not long after that, I ended up getting, uh, you know, and this has happened to me way too many times at, with, for head position. Um, I get a call from Lincoln University. I put a job app in and, you know, Lincoln had some really, really strong suits and it had some weak spots too. And I get a really strong recommendation for one of our coaches there that knows the athletic director there. And I basically get offered the job on the spot. And so, of course, I take the job. It's first head job and it was a, you know, $20,000 a year pay increase. So you can't say no to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I go up there and I think at this point I actually – I really, I almost got back almost to competing training wise. And I remember I was really close because um, that's actually when I set my best numbers. And it wasn't necessarily because I wouldn't say it was because I was enjoying it like crazy. It was almost a point of like, I almost became really competitive with our athletes. Like yeah. I was just, I'm going to outlift you and I'm going to outwork you and I'm going to, you know, and I had a lot more free time there too. I, I was pretty heavy in the morning and then I usually had two hours off and then we'd have some late morning stuff. And then I usually have two hours off. And so I was getting plenty of time to get training and I was working a lot of hours. I was usually in at five, you know, and then we'd have groups till about nine and then we wouldn't have anything for about two to three hours. And we have about an hour worth of group then about two to three hours off. And then we'd have usually finish up with three or four hours. So it was just very spaced out. And so I was getting quality training in. Uh, at this point, I'm going to different gyms. I'm going to CrossFit gym, just lifting there to have fun and getting out and getting my name out a little bit more, you know. And so training's going well. Um, like I said, almost got back into the Then uh, I, took, I, I get uh, so I'm married for two years to the day. You know, I start January 15, 17, and January 15, 2019. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but the, one of the big reasons I left was I just didn't see any advancement opportunities there. And so, you know, I go and as funny as it is, I was actually planning on doing the doctorate program at Mizzou through Lincoln because Lincoln partners with Mizzou. Uh, they're 20 minutes apart. But I just I, I didn't think I'd be able to make it at Lincoln for three more years to finish up a doctor, four more years to finish up a doctorate. So I'm sitting there and. Troy Jorgensen, who was my boss at Missouri Southern, he yeah. calls me up and he goes, he goes, you know, um, there's a head job at Southeastern Oklahoma State University. I think you'd really like it. I was like, oh, Troy, don't take this the wrong way, but it's not really your business. You know, like, I don't really, I've got a lot of stuff to get figured out. I'm trying to decide where I really want to go with things, you know, and he goes, okay, um, you know, I really talked to the athletic director there. I, I think you'd be a really good fit. And I go, well, okay, you know, I get it, but I, I don't really, I'm not really that interested right now. And he goes, well, could you just do me a favor and put an application in? And I was like, dude, like, come on. Mm-hmm. He goes, okay, well, let me ask a favor. He's like, I already told the athletic director that you'd be putting a job app in. <laughs> I'm like, really? Like, Troy, come on, dude. And so 
I sit there and I'm like, I actually took um, an old application for something and I just changed whatever it was, Iowa State or whatever, you know, to Southeastern State. I just sent it in and it was not well thought out. It was not anything specific to Southeastern Oklahoma State University. And all of a sudden, uh, Heath Baxter, which is my current boss, calls me up. He goes, he talks me through everything. And he goes, Keith, if you listen to this, he actually took a lot of time on that cover letter and resume. And (laughs) (laughs) anyway, so we we go, we have a a pretty long conversation. And I remember he called me immediately. I literally picked up my phone after doing a max rep of, I think it was 10 rep squats. Mm -hmm. And I'm over here like, (sighs) and he's like, do you you need me to call you back? I'm like, no. uh, I just got done doing some, you know, max squats. And he's like, okay, well, you got a couple minutes? And I was like, yeah, I got plenty of time. So I sat and actually talked to him for about all 20, 30 minutes. I had a really good conversation with him. And I was still, to this point, I was like, whatever, you know, not a, not really that concerned. And so he calls me back and he says, hey, let's do an interview. And I go, okay. He goes, just, let's just do a phone interview, nothing crazy. And uh, so I remember I'm like, nah, I, I think I can phone interview pretty well. I'm just a casual talker. And obviously, the majority of my life doing strength conditioning. So, you know, to me, it's like when I talk with recruits, like I could have my mind completely off and give a great recruiting spiel because I've done it 5,000 times. I can talk about everything happening in the room or technology, yada, yada, yada. It's not that difficult. Well, anyway, so I'm kind of the same way with the recruiting or sorry, with the interviews. Now, if I'm talking to another strength coach, I got to get my game up. But if I'm talking to an athletic director, then I can say all these words. He has no idea what they are, you know, so you just start talking and you talk about what you want to do and all that stuff. And usually they're going to be on board. If you got any sort of, you know, communication skills and you can flow. And so I'm like, all right, we'll just do the interview and see how everything goes. And, uh, you know, at this point, this is over Christmas break too. So I actually didn't even have a chance to tell my current boss at the time who's, you know, I had a lot of respect for. And, uh, I'm like, whatever, you know, it's nothing too crazy. And so, about 10 o'clock the night before the interview, uh, my sister-in-law passes away unexpectedly, you know? And so we're all, you know, I'm broke down. I lived with them for a while. Um, and so we were pretty close. And then, so I remember I'm like, I just about called and canceled the interview, but I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And so I, I don't remember, I still to this day, I barely remember anything about that interview. It was just total coast. And so I'm sitting there and is over Christmas, you know, over Christmas break too. And it was like, I want to say it was a week or two before Christmas. So we're going through all this stuff and, uh, we had the kids go with Julie's parents and we're driving up to the wake and, uh, like an hour away. It's like a 13 hour drive. So we drove up like eight hours. I think we stayed in Omaha and we're driving up. We're like three hours up like one more hour. And Keith calls me, my current boss. And he's like, Hey, just seeing how everything's going. And I told him, like, dude, I'm like an hour away from awake. I have no interest in talking right now. Like, I'm not in the best mm-hmm. of mind. And he throws me this giant curveball. He goes, Keep in mind, I haven't gone down there for an interview, just a phone interview. And he goes, mm-hmm. Hey, we're on the job. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, Keith, I'm going to have to get back to you. Like, <laughs> like I'm. At this point, I'm, I know I need to probably move on from Lincoln. Um, get a lot of, there wasn't growth. 
And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, how do I do this? Like I'm in Minnesota right now. This is in Oklahoma. I live in Missouri. And so we ended up finishing everything up, get through the funeral and everything, which is hard enough. And then we drive back. I'm trying to think we drive back on a Wednesday night and we get in like two in the morning, Thursday morning. And I, I can't sleep. I can't do anything. I can't focus. I'm out of it. I'm like, I'm going to go get a rental car. Like, I'm going to go get a workout in the morning. I'm going to go get a rental car. I'm going straight down, straight down to Durant, nine and a half hours. And so that's what I did. I, I got in on, uh, got in at maybe one in the morning, went in, had a, had a really solid interview, was pretty happy with everything. And then got up super early the next day. I think I got up at three in the morning and drove back. And it was, it was a really, it was one of those times you had a lot of time to think. You nine hour trip about what you want to do and how you want to move forward with everything. And is this the right choice? Is, is this, and so I, I think I changed my mind five times going up. I'm like, I can't take it. Now I'm going to take it. I can't take it. Now I'm going to take it. Can't, you know, back and forth. And, and finally we, I decided, I was like, you know, I, th- I want to give this a try. I think it's, it's a better opportunity. Now that he did kind of lure me in. I, I got a really fat blank check to build a new room. Yep, so, which is fantastic. It looks beautiful. I got a, Whenever all this stuff passes by and I've got the money, I want to drive down there and take a look at her. But so the you know that was a really enticing moment, and the long term perspective of having you know a full time assistant, two GAs, like moving that direction, um, and then also getting to do more administrative stuff. You know, I talked about like told my boss like one thing that I will have to see over the next year or two is move into assistant athletic director role. Um, once we hire a full-time guy to be able to do the system work and a couple of GAs so I can back off of workouts so much and do more administrative stuff, which is long-term goals, you know, and, you know, there just seemed to be a lot more plan for growth here than there was at some of the other places I was at. So that's where we're going now. But yeah, with the, the new weight room we got, I mean, it's killer. It's 10,000 square feet, 16 racks and lay platforms, great flooring, Samson equipment. I'm a big Samson guy. Um, we have iPads, VBTs at every single rack, G flights, you know, we've got some really solid technology in there. So not to mention I have any bar and pretty much anything you can basically imagine, you know, so I've got, I don't have any Cambridge bars, but I got 16 safety squat bars, 16 hex bars, good Olympic bars, powerlifting bars, um, Swiss bars, like, you know, I got, and if I want to get something else, I pretty much can. It's, it's been pretty pretty decent place to train but you know i got really good equipment i got no i mean the room is gorgeous i i would put it up against any division two in the nation and as far as technology um surely we've got to be at least one of the top few if not one of the best if not the best room in the nation you know as far as usage and everything and then on top of that we've got a real healthy nutrition budget um five thousand square feet of turf you know we've got a real nice rooms real nice setup and man did uh we kind of went over the top too with our logoing like it's southeastern everywhere in there we've got mm-hmm. these neon signs that are you know the entire width of the room southeastern on one side and savage storm on the other and mm-hmm. needless to say you don't come into our room and be like oh yeah this is a nice looking room you're like holy crap this is southeastern you know where you're at yep. hey, so it's marketing 101 it is and trust you me you gotta it's get a, those recruits 
it's it's big for recruiting and the amount of alumni we bring through on a normal day is insane just to show them mm-hmm. every so excited about uh just having what we have you know because it's a million times step up from what we did have because we keep always hearing about the old room the old dungeon that we had man it was dark it smelled and it was you know maybe three thousand square feet with 16 mm-hmm. stuffed in it but we we had barbells and plates and that's basically all we had in there so and that's kind of i mean that's like my full journey right there of yeah it's like a, a decade of work right there pretty much and so yeah um so we kind of mentioned it probably first off i didn't expect to be talking this long uh but woodworking this is something that i kind of wanted to bring up because i knew you did it a little bit you know off and on just kind of tinkering but then um within the last few years you've kind of started up in that a little bit now Obviously, you mentioned you backed off the weightlifting. You still train hard. Like, if anyone, I'll, at the end of this, I'll mention your Instagram, and um, people can go look at that. You post really good lifts. Still, you know, if you had to go, if someone was like, "Hey, you got to go lift in a meet today," for some reason, you could probably still put up a competitive total. Um, but you started doing this woodworking. You make some really great stuff. Um, pictures i've seen online um how, how'd you i mean you mentioned it a little, little bit earlier as a kid you know woodworking things like that mechanic where is that something that, that you always just kind of did as kind of a sidestep passion of yours so when when i was younger we we are and I, I came from i don't want to sit there and say we we're a poor family but we didn't have a lot of money let's put it that way so we always just stuff ourselves. So like being hands-on was very natural for me. So, you know, I was always using salt and hammers and drills and whatever. And I didn't know how to do any of it necessarily, but I always pieced things together. And so, you know, I was smart enough to figure things out pretty well on my own for basic stuff. And then uh, the one thing, like, still to this day, I'm a number freak. Like, I love numbers. I will memorize numbers for stupid reasons. Like, just no reason. I'll know a number. Like, I'll remember it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I bet you I could recite about half of our team rep out numbers from last week, you mm-hmm. know, or from two weeks ago. It's just something I, I get obsessive with. And uh, so anyways, like woodworking came really natural for me because there's a lot of numbers. And when you, you know, you have to know if it needs to be this big and you have to have two boards and whatever it has to fit together. So like that was one thing that just came really, really easy. You know, like uh, my father-in-law is a really good woodworker, but he has to have plans. And I'm the exact opposite. I like freelancing. I just want to build something. Like I'll just start putting it together. Yeah. And then be in my head. And most of the time it works pretty well. So anyways, I get lucky in, in high school and we get the shop teacher and he's a little bit crazy, but he's a wrestling coach, and a track coach and a cross country coach, everything coach. Um, but this dude knows woodworking. Like he knows he knows how to put stuff together. And he taught us the most basic of joints, you know, the most basic of stuff and how to use it. And so I'm the one that's over here. And we've got the, like, we had, we had one of the best shops in the nation at this little tiny podunk. Like I, I maybe a 10,000 square feet shop mm-hmm. with every saw and every tool you can imagine. So I'm just in heaven of tinkering. Like I'm the guy that like, I'm going to figure out how I can use this for this and this and, 
you know, like we had this giant jig and, and no one knew how to use it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be the guy to figure out how to use this for cutting 10, uh, 10 in joints and stuff like that. And so I did, I just sit there, I would tinker and I'd get it set up because everything, every time you get a, you know, a tool and you get a jig, it's going to make your life easier if you can figure out how to use it. So, you know, so that's, that's how I kind of got into that. And then, so I built a lot of stuff, you know, like this is something, you know, that dresser I built in uh, high school. You know, I mm-hmm. built that 15 years old already. And then to turn around and I paired it up with, uh, I made this giant, it's actually a, you know, it's a headboard, footboard, combo, you know, shelving on the back side, yeah. TV on the front side, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. I just kind of made what I wanted, you know, and did it my way. Um, and it got to the point where, you know, I, I got our whole house done. And I, I, I kind of, as silly as this is, I was like, man, what do I do now? And so I just decided, you know, I'm going to sell some of it a little bit. So um, I've been doing some of that on the side. You know, I, I look at my long-term goals and I realize I can't be a strength coach forever. It's pretty exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my next phase is, is pay for a doctorate through my woodworking. And so I'll be starting my doctorate in, in uh, January. And uh, it's about a, it's a two-year, eight-month program through Liberty University. Um, with the goal is hopefully in the next five years to move towards athletic director or something along those lines. I think that's what yeah. I'm really suited for. Um, like I said, I love strength conditioning, but I'm not ready to give it up yet, but I don't think I can do it my whole life. Mm-hmm. Especially like, I feel like as a strength coach, like I have to always be stronger than the athletes. I have to be more motivated than the athletes. I have to be more energetic than the athletes. And, uh, you know, I'm 33 and it doesn't sound that old, but, You've been doing it for a while, and it, it yeah. wear and tear, my man. After, uh, you know, this is my 13th year in it, and uh, it does. It takes a beating on you, and it uh, doesn't mean I don't love it. I'll, I'll love it forever. You know, even when I'm athletic director, I'll probably be the guy that puts a whole lot of money in strength conditioning mm-hmm. because I know what it can do and that it benefits everyone, and that's actually, you know, that's what my boss currently does. He's very big to make sure that we, you know, we get a, a good good amount of stuff that we're taking care of really well because he understands what we do impact uh, That we got really, really good reviews last year, so that helps. But uh, but going back to woodworking, you know, like I, I actually think of this, and I swear to God I'm going to write this book, but uh, I, I actually think of building an athlete just like I think of building a cabinet, you know, and mm-hmm. I think people get way too complicated on things, and they're trying to always do the sexiest thing. Like, you know, I want to write a book, just how to build a cabinet. And it's going to be aimed towards how do you build an athlete? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same way. How do you build anything? You start with the base. Like, you know, like I sit there and I think it's really, it's completely irrelevant to try to put stain on something. If it's not ready for stain. Yeah. You know, polyurethane on it. If it's not ready for polyurethane. Like when you build a cabinet, you start with the base. Okay. You, you do your joints, you get everything put together. You've got to sand it at a certain point. Wherever you do that is up to you. You know, you have to then put a face frame on it. And then you have to decide on your drawers or however you want to do that. And you've got to figure out how you want to finish it and sand it and tops and everything like that. And, you know, not saying you can't do it different ways. There's a million ways to do a cabinet. You can't stain something before you sand it. You can't stain yeah. it before you put it together, you know. And that's where we're at. I think as strength conditioning coaches. 
we spend too much time trying to do the sexy things right away to keep interest in the kids um, and to look good on social media and all this stuff. Well, the reality is, you know, if you have a pyramid, you don't start up here. You start down here, you build the base up. And that's, you know, say that's why I look at Catholic. You know, like I tell people that all the time, like we are building your base right now. This is, I don't care about like, we are just now getting into cleans with our athletes. Like I've been there for a year and a half. I've been spent doing that. Nothing but building a strength base with these kids. And magically, they've all gotten faster and bigger and all that stuff. And we don't have to do all the sexy stuff. And I don't care if you sit there and think, obviously, I do Olympic lifts nonstop. I do some Olympic variation every single day. And uh, But to sit there and think that that's the only way to do it is kind of crazy to me. There's a million ways done. And, you know, if at some point you're moving very quickly and you're producing a lot of power, you're going to make a better athlete. You know, and there's times you need to focus on strength and there's times you need to focus on speed and power and yada, yada, yada. But you like you don't have to do it with Olympic lifts or Olympic mm-hmm. lifts. Too. Yes, I feel like they're a very valuable tool, but they're not the only tool in the toolbox. You know, exactly. like, you want to put a nail in, you can do it with a hammer, you can do it with a nail gun. Sometimes you got a bigger hammer, a smaller hammer, depends on mm-hmm. the size of the nail. Like, Sometimes you don't need a sledgehammer to get the job done. Exactly. You can just use a little tack hammer. Exactly. But I look at that, and that's kind of one of the things that I try to tell people. Don't overcomplicate this stuff. There's no reason for it. You just just get the job done. Get the job done. Keep your athletes healthy, and you're going to be a good coach. So, and then, you know, like, I don't know. I, I think of woodworking as just the this, this same challenge. You know, like, how do you do well same way you know it's backwards of an athlete you know you're just you gotta make the base and then sand it down and polish it but when you're done i think the the one thing i, I talked to a uh i know this sounds bad but you know, i talked to a psychiatrist a while back um this wasn't like a formal meeting or anything but we sat down and had a really good about two hour talk and it was just kind of very impromptu and i told her about my past and you know how i was raised and everything and she goes that's what you like woodworking so much I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, it's, it's really fast gratification. She goes, you, you really, you, you like feeling the gratification of getting something done fast. And I was like, yeah, she's probably right. So I was <laughs> like, maybe that's my bridge between weightlifting, you know, strength and conditioning, which takes, you know, you a you, long time. You, you might be on a program where you're setting PRs every single week, or you might be on a program where you don't set a PR for 12 weeks or 16 weeks or a year, yeah. you know, or ever again, you know, like that's the reality. At some point, you, you peak out and you're not going to get stronger anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in Olympic lifting, there's a point yeah. where you're going to, you know, I'm never going to clean 185 kilos again. Challenge I don't accept it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's just the reality. Like, you know, you, you can keep getting better at other things, you know. Um, but I don't know. I, I just thought that was really interesting that she had that to say about, you know, like, that's why you like woodworking because you, you know, instant gratification. And I think she, she is right with that. Weightlifting is definitely not that. But when you do hit that number, like I had one of my athletes this last week, his best squat ever was 500. And he has looked amazing the last couple months. And he goes, coach, I want to, I want to wrap out 500. I'm like, are you sure you can do that? Coach, I'll guarantee I can do it. All right, do it. Put on 500. And I'm expecting to hit one to two reps, you know, and struggle. He hits six. 
six reps and I shut them down off that. Um, you know, totally, totally different ball game. You know, like that's the, that's the gratification. I think we love like someone did this or I did this or anything like that. That's a, well, shoot. How long did it take to get that gratification? Six weeks, 12 weeks. I mean, he, he said his last PR of 500, um, a year ago, you know, mm-hmm. now did he improve off that? Absolutely. But, you know, last time he hit 500 was a year ago and then he reps it for six. You know, but it's just things like that. I think that's a gratification that we look for. And, you know, woodworkings to me is is also it's pretty gratifying when you really get down to it. You know, you get a finished product. It's like, if you put it in your house, you get to constantly see it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that, that's my woodworking and, and strength conditioning combo. Sure. Well, that is awesome. Well, sir. Thank you for taking the time on this Sunday to talk to me. I know it's a, what are you guys like an hour, two hours ahead of me? I can't remember what the, or wait, no. We're still central. We're central. I don't know why I always think that you guys are down, but also towards the east. That's for some reason, Oklahoma is over on the east for me. And I don't know why. I know it's not, but, um, Again, thank you very much. Uh, I do appreciate it. I think um, what you've gone through, especially your your journey while simultaneously doing weightlifting, um, is super, super interesting, especially for anyone who ends up listening to this. Again, I always say this podcast isn't for um, just strength and conditioning. I mean, the guy before you was a brewer, so... Uh, that's all about making beer. Um, but you know, you, you said it when it comes to making an athlete, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Um, there's more than one way to get to follow your journey. Uh, you know, some guys that they're still in that first job they ever got out of college. Some people, you know, they'll jump a little bit and find what works best for them. Um, you know, when you first got married, what you were, you know, what you wanted out of career versus now when you've got three kids, your priorities in life are always changing. So I think uh, you've given a good perspective to that, and I appreciate it. Um, for people who are listening, if you decide to make it all the way this far into the podcast, um, you can follow Mr. Fears at, uh, I think it's coach underscore fears, or is it on Instagram and then you also have the Savage Storm Instagram page right so if you're interested in following kind of what he's doing down there at Southeast Oklahoma State University um, I think the whole thing is SOSUS or SOSU sports performance if you look on that on Instagram you'll be able to find it Uh, and then if you just look up Zach Fears you can find him he'll be lifting a weight on the first picture so um anything you want to say before we sign on off well i just appreciate you having me here and uh you know just like giving my experience and i think a lot of people can relate to it at the same time i think a lot of people are like man that's a long journey to get yeah it is it's something you got to keep looking at though yep again thanks for uh stopping on by for this and uh everyone who's listening I hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you next time.